Good evening one and all and welcome along to season 2 episode 125 I do believe We are looking at the special teams tonight and joining me we have the senior And we have the cinnamon stick over in Scotland How are you both doing gentlemen? Sweating like a pig Yeah, <laughs> it's toasty <laughs> Oh dear it is very tall. Got, but it's, 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 at, at least we can, at least we can all rejoice in the fact that it's not coming home. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Jamie. I know. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's we just, we just got a message. Very happy. We can also rejoice in the fact that we don't have any just got a franchise either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look yeah. like there's many We just got a message before the show started. <laughs> <laughs> um, I seem to be freezing again and the Irish broadband is acting up. Oh god, here we go. You can do what they do in the Martian and just, just write the questions on a bit of paper and hold it up to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can both hear me, give me a thumbs up. There we go. That's more like it. So we're breaking down the uh we're into the usual spiel of breaking down the special teams today um it's going to be a quick episode i would imagine um considering we only have a few players on special teams um we have our punters our kickers and our long snappers so um was hoping this one would come up <laughs> yes oh yeah just before we go any further let's pull that up what do we have to say about Richard Sherman, gentlemen? And just for listeners on the, the audio version, DJ Dog has asked, uh, are we not glad we dodged that Richard Sherman disaster? Um, to be perfectly honest, DJ Dog, absolutely. Um, I didn't want Richard Sherman from day one. Uh, I felt that he was a free agent for a reason. Um, he he doesn't strike me as a, a particularly classy player, um, particularly when you rise to so much of the on-field, um, shall we say, jive and banter that, that goes on anyway. Um, everybody knows about the Are You Mad Bro with Tom Brady. Um, he's also had issues with Michael Crabtree as well in the past. There's two just off the top of my head. Um, you never you never hear, or you rarely hear players come out and name and criticise that way. It, it stays on the field. But for, for me, for players to hit the media like that, yeah. it's not a classy move. Um, I understand he's a particularly intelligent guy, but he just does some aggravating things just now. And I think um, he may have burnt his bridges in the NFL. We'll wait and see. Yeah. But he may have done it because he's a declining player. The last thing he needs is something like this. Yeah, and it looks like this has been ongoing for a couple of months. A lot of his friends have actually moved to the city as well to to keep an eye on him and everything. That 
you know, the, the, what he's been charged with is a bit of a misnomer that, you know, he's been charged with the, uh, burglary and domestic violence, but that's only because he actually the, um, he's, he's kicked in the door of his in-law's house. Um, he's not actually burgled anything as, as far as I can see. And the domestic violence is because it's, it's a relation. It's not actually that he has actually hit somebody. Um, but, I mean, this is still quite troubling. You throw in the hit and run as well, which seems to have premeditated everything else. Um, and it's not looking good for him, especially when he's actually on the NFL. He's one of the vice presidents of the NFL Players Association as well. So, you know, they've obviously, they've kicked in their domestic violence protocols. Um, and obviously they'll need to suspend him as a vice president at the moment as well. So it's it's <clears throat> it's not looking good for him at the moment. And you, ha- you have to wonder whether, you know, this is, this is the beginning of some of the the lasting side effects from half the hits that he's put on people, and you know, is he is he going to be one of these people that eventually is going to be diagnosed with CTE? Um, you know, once he's left this mortal coil, uh, it's horrible to think about, but it's maybe something to consider. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Lauren. I hadn't hadn't thought about that one at all. In terms of Richard Sherman, um, before be, before we get into the the main bones of the special teams, um, the the main news coming out obviously is camp starts next week. Um, the Cowboys are are heading for Oxnard at the weekend. Um, I think they fly out Saturday. They'll have a day off Sunday, and then into training camp Monday morning. Um, we've also had the schedule release from the Dallas Cowboys media team in terms of what programs they'll have on, when they'll have on. And uh, Lauren actually caught, caught a great one. It was either today or yesterday, and it's something we will be discussing, is that uh, Rob Phillips put out a great article about Brian Anger, the punter who we brought in during the off-season. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so is, is... We'll, we'll dive headlong. No, no, no. I was saying it again. It's sort of fortuitous timing that you know an article like this appears on the website. You know, just before we're going to be discussing it. So it feels strange to be heading into a training camp without somebody's franchise tag hanging over our heads or somebody on it sitting with a holdout, doesn't it? Normally, we normally we have a little bit of drama that Jerry enjoys in front of the camera. I don't think he's got any just now. I think everybody's signed up. Everybody appears to be happy. So. Long may we're, continue. <laughs> we've still got two third rounders to, to sign at the moment, Graham. But, I mean, that shouldn't be a problem. That should just be a case of dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Um, I think it's uh, Goldston and Sean Wright are still to sign. Um, they're the only yeah. ones that didn't sign during the mini camps. I mean, even that, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really concern me that because... There isn't a great deal of wiggle room in the in the salaries anyway. It's more the language of the deal. Um, so if it's only the deal's language, and um, I think third rounders make is it just over a million dollars they make in their first few years. So it's not really yeah, that I mean, great a concern. The, the 
the the staging's all set. So I mean, it's it's literally. I think there's something. Third rounders are normally quite difficult to deal with because there's some sort of wording that needs to go into the contract. Um, first and second rounders have specific um, clauses. The third rounders are uh, the clauses are negotiated, and then fourth fourth to seven are easy as well. So it it literally is the third rounders that have the difficulty with it. Mm. Um, so ho hopefully it is just the case that you know they've not been able to get them together to sign, and you know there's maybe an agreement in principle, and it's just not been leaked to the press or something like that, and it's maybe something that will be. Um, you know, there for the opening press conferences. Yeah. Um, I think I think in terms of that, yeah, I mean, third rounders always seem to take the longest, so it it it, it will be done. I don't I don't doubt Jerry, but I think to to Graham's point in terms of the last three years we've gone into camp, we've had Demarcus Lawrence issues, we've had Dak issues. Issues and last year we had DAC issues again around franchise tags. So out? it's good Is not to have that drama out? hanging over us this off season. Yeah, yep. Des Bryant. Yeah, sorry. I'm sure. I'm sure we'd have someone who would be very happy to have Des Bryant back on this team. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole show in itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy Valenti couldn't go fast true. enough. <laughs> 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 yeah so uh just uh pulling up this one from dj dog as well so we are we're also taking part in the hall of fame game against the pittsburgh steelers um and it will be a reunion in terms of drew drew pearson cliff harris and jimmy johnson all going into the hall of fame um a great weekend ahead for cowboys fans yep and I actually saw a tweet today as well. I think it was um, uh, Clarence Hill was saying that Jimmy jo he'd been speaking to Jimmy Johnson and Jimmy Jimmy has said that Jerry has numerously said that he wants to get Jimmy into the Ring of Honour as well. Um, and Jimmy's up for it as well. So it's just a case of when Jerry's in a good mood. <laughs> so, you know, again, maybe, maybe there's an announcement coming uh, this uh, this opening of the uh, preseason training camp. That's certainly yeah. when they announced that Darren Woodson was going to be put in a couple of years ago as well. So um, potentially that's yeah. what we're looking at. It's uh, it, it, I, th I think for Jimmy Johnson, it's long overdue. I mean, I started following the Cowboys when Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman joined up. Um, and, you know, Five seasons, one one year as as uh, as coach of the season with a losing record. I think he's the only head coach to ever do that. Uh, two Super Bowls, you know, he he did it all with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you ne uh, you never know. Maybe Jimmy's Jimmy's put a sort of Babe Ruth hex on the Cowboys that you know, as soon as he quite he says is. You know, you maybe get another Super Bowl. You're not going to get any more until I'm I'm recognised or whatever. Because you know, Jerry certainly said that you know anybody could coach the Cowboys to a Super Bowl, and so far only Barry Switzer has. So, um, who's right? Who's wrong? <laughs> yeah, that is that that is very true. 
uh, in terms of Barry Switzer. I actually rewatched the uh, 1995 um, America's game where Barry, Sw- Barry Switzer's Cowboys won the Super Bowl recently and it was quite enjoyable. Poor Graham is uh, sneezing away there in the yeah. background. <laughs> Seems to have a few allergies. <laughs> Hopefully doing okay. <laughs> Hay fever season always hits before the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. So if we jump into the special teams, we're, we're, we're going to try... Oh. There we go, Mr. M- Mr. Poland at Disneyland, checking in with us. It's Butlins. <laughs> it's Butlins. Yeah, I think uh, it's Butlins that uh, he's at. I don't know. Um, he's he's been playing with Thomas the Tank Engine. I, and I, I, I think it's Wally Ward. He had, an, he had an appointment <laughs> with Thomas the Tank Engine and allegedly fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but if we if we jump into things guys right so we have two punters on the team right now we have hunter niswander who came in at the end of the season to displace the punter chris jones <laughs> and we also have brian anger who um we signed from the houston texans um do you think there is a punting competition on this year? And if so, what way would you be leaning with that punting competition? Oh, I, I definitely think, you know, there is a competition. Otherwise, we wouldn't have brought Brian Anger in. I mean, Brian Anger is, he was a third-round pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars a, a few years back. Um, he's, he's, He's punting at an average of uh, 46.2 <coughs> yards a punt. Um, I think it's something like 560 punts mm-hmm. he's had over his career, about 30,000 punt yards. Um, is, is, yeah, Hunter Niswander last year kicked about 47 seven yards a punt with a net of 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's much of a muchness. I just, you know, unlike Zerline, whose contract is obviously guaranteed for this year, um, you know, you you weren't going to be moving on from Zerline, but um, Niswander was technically untested. He was he was always going to be a step up from Chris Jones, who, for some reason, uh, unbeknownst to us, I mean, he'd, he'd been fighting this injury for over a year trying to rehab it before he actually gave in and had the surgery. Now, why the hell he didn't have surgery during the off-season, get himself ready for the, the upcoming season, I don't know. But, um, he, you know, I think it was his, his choice not to, to try and rehab it rather than go for the surgery. And, you know, it showed that his numbers had been going down rapidly. Neswander came in, did a, did a serviceable job, um, in fact, 47 yards a punt is pretty damn good, actually. Um, but just asking, you know, you can't just say, "Yeah, we're going to go into camp, and this guy's going to be the this guy's going to be the guy," and then you go into you go into the season, and he, you know, he gets three blocked in the first week or something like that, or you know, d- 
stick dings three and it goes they go sideways and eighteen yards net or something like that. So you know you need you, you can't you can't anoint him as a savior at punter. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's one of those true. positions. It's one of those positions where, you, you know, you scrap for every yard in the NFL, and if, <clears throat> if your punting situation lets you down, or if, if your kickers don't make that last minute field goal, it's the difference between a, a win and a loss. So um, it's dangerous not to just have the guy. It, you you should really have competition, even if it doesn't have much chance of making the team. If you, even if you've got somebody on huge guarantees, you should still bring somebody else in because they'll go through training camp. You know, unless unless you push them particularly hard, they know the job's theirs. So if they miss one or two, that's okay. Whereas if there's somebody behind them ready to take snaps off of them, they try that a little bit harder. They must do. I mean, nobody's nobody's guaranteed anything in the NFL anymore. It's a business, so um, in a game where it's yeah. where you live and die for that inch, you know, um, the punting situations, uh, you know, it gives you it gives your defense a better chance if you can consistently put the ball down the other end of the field. And um, goodness, we know how last minute field goals are important. We've seen enough of them. Yep. You you yeah. look at I mean you look at somebody like the Cleveland Browns a couple of years back where you know they had Brian Colquitt who was coming off a Pro Bowl season. They they signed Jamie Gillen, the Scottish Hammer, um as an undrafted free agent. And um, you know, Jamie Gillen came in because of on the back of a couple of rugby tackles on the um during preseason games and everything like that, he actually yeah, and some monstrous kicks as well. I mean, he actually uh, took the place of Colquitt as well. So, you know, anything can happen. So it is going to be... I know DJ Dog's saying that Anger is the guy that uh, Bones has said that's the favourite. But, I mean, you know, this is some. This is probably the most open position on the training camp roster, I think. Yeah, I mean, in, ter- in, in terms of, as we say, Brian Anger is proven in the NFL. Um, I, I, something that was going around my head today with the new long snapper or new kicker, how soon before Johnny Hecker is on this roster? <laughs> <laughs> well, in truth, are we going to need a punter this year? Because our offense is going to score all the time. So, you know. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Team 50 Burger will ride. (laughs) (laughs) But if we we were to nail colors to the mass, who do you think will will win out in this punter competition? Will it be Anger or will it be Nesponder? I think it'll be Anger. I think it'll be Anger. Um, simply because yeah. <clears throat> he was a third round pick at one point. Um, loss of form, maybe predicted that he played for a few teams, but um, I think he he certainly has a, a level of pedigree. Um, yeah, if I was to if I was to put money on it, I would say Brian Anger. 
Definitely. I think I think if it's neck and neck by the end of camp, I think they go with Niswander, um, purely purely for the for cap reasons. You know, they'll save they'll save money on the cap, um, and obviously yeah. we've talked in previous weeks. Next year, we'll be needing to make some changes to get under the cap for next season. So, the more that you can bring for uh, carry forward into the following season, uh, um, you know that will help mitigate some of that. Yeah. I uh, I tend to agree with that outlook, Lauren, in turn. Like, I think it's it's about a 300,000 difference between the two of them. And, yeah, if, if it's close, it makes sense to bring this wander with you for the season. Um, moving on to um, our kicking situation, and I think this is the first time in years we've not brought in another kicker. It looks like it's just Greg the leg, it's his job, and it's not being considered at all. Yep. Well, I mean, he's he's second year of a three-year deal. Um, you know, he has, you can say that he was one of the, you know, we at least put points on the board last year. And yes, I think he had a few misses, but certainly nothing like um, when we had Brett Maher on the team. And, you know, we, <laughs> it, it was always a roll of the dice as to whether, whether you were actually going to... Um, <laughs> It was good oh, even make, make it in between the sidelines or not, you know. Great, great. We got sixty-four yard kicks out, kicks out of him, but you know, half the time a thirty-nine yarder barely got barely got through the end zone um, without going out of bounds. Yeah. So. I always remember I said about Brian yeah. Maher that he would miss the extra point and nail the fifty-yarder. He was he was infuriating. <laughs> He really, really was. I mean, no harm to the guy. He came into a pressure situation, but that was that was tough going, especially. <laughs> yeah. Because it kills momentum. That see when you miss a <laughs> see when you miss a attack on field goal, it kills offensive momentum. Yeah. The guy, the guys must be going. What are we doing this for? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Are, are, are either of you disappointed that we didn't bring in a second kicker just to have a look at what was there? Or Yeah, I mean, if, if nothing else, I mean, we'll need to see, need to see how it goes. But, um, yeah, Maher is in the Hall of Fame for making, uh, what is it, three 60-plus 60, 60 or 63-yarder. Yeah. Kicks. Um, so exhibit, that a, joke, exhibit A to my point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then I'll, I'll also I'll also counter that with the name of uh, Damien Craig, who Graham will probably know, but um, anybody out with the Scottish Claymores wouldn't know. Uh, Damien Craig's also in the Hall of Fame because he had a 613 yard passing game. Um, and that's in NFL football that's the, the the largest total it's actually been beaten in the cfl uh there's uh, somebody had the 713 yards but um you know that just goes to show that you you can do two or three good things and then um, you can make it into the hall of fame that way but you're not you're not in the the actual busts um the, the collection of busts um 
Right, Wolvers. Hey, listen, we could go on with those all night. Mars Claiborne yeah. has a Super Bowl ring. So, <laughs> oh, Taco Charlton. We so can go on all night. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, we, the question was, should we have brought somebody else in? I think, yeah, you certainly should, because if nothing else, five 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 kicks a day, um, you're talking 30, 30 days or so of training camp, um, you know, so that's that's a lot to put. And you're also talking about anything that's going on in in the preseason games as well. And we've got an extra preseason game this year as well. Um you know that's a lot to put on a kicker's leg bef- before even getting to to the regular season. Um, having said that, you know you never know. As we were discuss- discussing safeties last week, you know if if a position comes up, then we could always sign Jeff Heath, and then you've got both a kicker and a safety. So <laughs> he always sneaks into the podcast somewhere. Yeah, well, and I, it's not thought... me that's saying it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just thought I'd throw that one out there after my shell stacking comment last week. So, <laughs> yeah. but that, to answer your question, Brian, I'm not necessarily concerned. I mean, hmm. is is there going to be any real competition for Greg's line? Is there really? I mean, no. you'd imagine the best 32 kickers in the league have a job. Um, he's a seasoned professional. He's a veteran. Um, he's he's done it over and over and over again. He's a, he's got a nice juicy contract. Why would they bother? Why would why couldn't they bring in? You know, if if they bring in a kicker, they they don't bring in a, another cornerback or yeah. a safety or a D lineman. Maybe they, maybe they lose they lose one of the the quarterbacks for the backup competition. You never know. So. If you look at it in terms of roster spots, I, I mean, is a kicker really going to challenge Greg Zerline? I don't think so. So yeah. go and bring somebody else in to have a look, a meaningful yeah. look. No, yeah, if he I, start if he starts missing kicks in the in the opening week of training camp, then yeah, you you know the the training camp roster is going to be quite fluid. You'll see a lot of people getting added and a few people getting released here, there and everywhere or going on injury settlements. Um, so as a roster spot uh, shows up, if, if Zerline's kicking badly in training camp, then, you know, that's certainly an option. You, you maybe bring somebody in to to give him the sort of proverbial kick up the backside. Um, and, uh, you know, ho- hopefully spur a bit of competition that way. Uh, you mean like Dan Bailey, for instance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think you think of the number of times that uh, he was almost on his way out, and the agent, know. the agent. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's true. <clears throat> that maybe has. Uh, he might just be waiting on a phone call. Yeah. There's every chance he's just waiting on a fo- the right opportunity, waiting on a phone call. Yeah. Not from I mean, the Cowboys I, uh, necessarily, but from somebody that's having kicker issues. Yeah. I mean, I think gone are the days of Dan Bailey being Dan Bailey automatic when we yes. had him in, in, in his early yeah. seasons with Dallas. Yeah. And even, even into his latter days, I mean, I, I still think we were all stunned when Brett Maher won the kicking competition that none of us knew were, was even taking place. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So, I mean, Don Bailey went to the Vikings and, you know, like what they, they spent, was it a fifth rounder or something that they, they took a kicker last year or traded a fifth rounder for a kicker last year? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they did something crazy like that, that they brought somebody in and Dan Bailey still won the job and then they cut Dan Bailey mid-season. But moving on and <coughs> looking at the long snapper position, this is the first time since we were in Texas Stadium that we are starting with a long snapper whose name is not Luis Pierre Ladusser. <laughs> under center yep I mean LP was it 19 years he had Lauren or 17 years he had uh, I want to say it was 19 because I think it was yeah. about I think it was uh, oh no it can't, it can't have been that long actually because it was Par- Parcells was coaching at the time mm-hmm. and it was um we we were on a we were on a two week West Coast um, game. We I think we'd lost to the 49ers. Um, we were about to play the Raiders, and um, we'd obviously had enough of John Condo, uh, the rookie uh, long snapper there. Um, obviously, it caused uh, caused Jose Cortez to miss a kick. Um, <laughs> which ended up costing us against the 49ers that year, if I remember rightly. And mm-hmm. it was purely because we were staying there. LP was down at um, one of the colleges in the area. Um, <clears throat> Parcells had said to the scouts, go and find me somebody else to, to come in for a tryout. LP was just down the road. He came up, left with the job. So, you know, um it it's certainly a long time, and I mean, as we discussed when he was released, I mean, he was only a few few games off. Yeah, so, yeah. So he was only yeah. a few. He was only a few games off um, matching Jason Witten's record for um, yeah. consecutive games. Yeah. Uh. So we've we've brought in Jake McQuaid. He's very familiar with John Fassel. Um, he played. He's, he had played for the Rams. So um, I mean, John Fassel seems to ask, and he seems to get whatever he wants in terms of special teams. Uh, hence my Johnny Hecker question earlier. But um, you know, I mean, this guy has been an all. He's been an all pro. He's been to Pro Bowls. I mean, as great as LP was, is this guy an upgrade? I mean, there's no spring think, chicken. He stopped yeah. before. <laughs> so he may only be around for a few years. Sorry, Lauren, on you go. No, I was going to say, the, the, well, oh. Graham's disappeared. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the thing I was going to say there is that he's, he's younger than LP. And I mean, yeah. LP, we were, we were literally bringing back every year for a million um, and then bring it, you know, doing a deal so that it was on on the um, veteran veteran minimums. So um, you were you were able to bump it up by the the some sort of special clause that allows you to 
to pay him about a million and a half or so, but it still only counts less than a million on the on the cap. Yeah. Um, nine, 19 years is at some point you're probably you know you're you're probably close to breaking. Um, you know we're we're bringing in McQuaid, who I think is only about ten years or so. So um, <coughs> that's certainly you know. It maybe it was time to move on, and yes, the fact that he has the the familiarity with uh, Fassel probably, you know, facilitated that move. It's one of those positions where you do your job right, and you do your job right every time. But if you do your job wrongly, you get crucified. <laughs> you know they they, they, yeah. they have to be stick-ons. They just but they have to be, effectively be robots and never get it wrong. Um, you know it, everybody said, oh, it's just a long snapper. But if you've got a punting situation, if you're if you're seven points up with two minutes left on the clock, <laughs> and your punt and your long snapper throws the ball over the, the punter's head. And it ends up in the end zone. That puts you in some amount of trouble. <laughs> so um, these guys have to be robots, and they have to get it right every single time. Because if they don't get it right, it can go very, very badly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, long long snapping is not something is not something that's easy at all. And um, you know, obviously, the NFL has simplified it a little bit in that nobody's allowed to be head up over the long snapper. Because basically the long snappers in a, a much wider stance than any any other offensive lineman. It's almost practically that he's doing the splits just so that he can get the power to to generate the ball going back, either the fifteen yards for a punt or seven yards and but pinpoint accuracy going along the floor for a, a field goal kick. Um, you know, and especially everything has to be split second timing because if if the opposition can get round the corner, you know, it, the, the ball needs to be in the air within two seconds. So, um, you know, it is a it is a very special job. And I, I mean, as I say, I've tried doing it before when I when I was playing. Um, you know, I was the guy that I you know I could always do the the punt. I was okay at uh, punt snapping, but if you wanted me to try and snap for a field goal you know i'm a, sorry i was the ball was going over the uh, the kicker's head let alone the, the holder's head <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so two point conversions on your team lauren was there uh yeah i think so or i didn't i didn't hold the job for very long i think somebody else came along and took it so but i still don't think, like I still don't think we made many kicks so <laughs> But um, just, a, just a small point here um, in terms of, we did put up a Twitter poll during the week um, in terms of, does anyone think we'll, we'll score a touchdown off a kickoff this season? I mean, I I know we had the CD Lamb one uh, in the latter half of the season against the 49ers where they were trying for an onside kick anyway. So it's, it's, it's not a really a true reflection of our tip of a kickoff return for a touchdown. Do either of you think it will happen this year? <coughs> I actually voted no on that because the yeah. the way 
obviously the way that the NFL has schemed everything for the kickoffs now, it is, um, you know, the back in the days where we were kicking from the 30-yard line, you know, and the ball wasn't going as far into the end zone. But the, the number of times in a kickoff now, the ball goes into the end zone or goes out the back of the end zone. Um, it's only in those occasions where you want, you know, you, you've maybe scored. You want the towards the end of the towards the end of the game. You want to fritter away some of the time. Um, you, you maybe pooch pooch kick it so that the the return team are actually having to waste a few seconds of um, clock rather than giving them an extra few seconds to march down the field and maybe get into field goal range for the win. So the 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 number of kickoff returns i think is has dropped dramatically and you know i don't see that we have a guy like um devin hester or uh deon sanders who you know were pretty automatic in scoring a touchdown every year so um yeah yeah i think i think you and i have agreed on this point a few times brian that um the last thing you want your first round wide receiver to be doing is taking punt returns and kick returns. Um, absolutely no chance, not for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's always scary when you see like talent like that. I mean, we've had plenty of it. Des Bryant, C.D. Lamb. Um, you basically got ten guys coming down the field trying to take your head off, um, and it's not a healthy situation for. For one of your stud receivers, um, yeah, like like Lauren was saying, we don't have a, a Devin Hester. And a De- um, they are dying breeds. The Devin Hester's yeah. of this world. I, I couldn't name you. I couldn't name you three. I might if I thought about it, I might be able to name you one or two, but I couldn't name you three simply because the NFL is trying to turn to eradicate it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And seeing the next few years, I wouldn't be surprised if. Um, they forced uh, fair catches for punts. Yeah, that's, that, well, for me, that that's not far away. Um, player throws up yeah. his arm and he catches it, and they play from there. Um, if he, I mean, if he loses control of the ball, it's, that's a that's another story. That's a live that's a live ball, and it's all to play for. But the amount of times yeah. you see fair catches from punters, you see the ball sail out the back of the end zone. Um, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I think there's a little bit of laziness involved in that. Um, I, I think for, for, for what kickers can do nowadays, I, I would be aiming for my kicker to get the ball inside the 10, no matter where he's kicking it from. They should be able, they should be able to level off on the power rather than... Because it, it's to the 25-yard line, isn't it? It's to 35. 30, 35 yard line. 35. The Touchback's yeah. 25 yards. On kickoff, yeah. on the kickoff, yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. So see if you take that in terms of percentages, they're already a quarter of the way down the field. Yeah. So and t- I would I would be looking for my for my kicker to put it inside the ten, but it seems all too easy nowadays for the teams just to put it out the back of the end zone, no risk of giving up a touchdown, and that's simply the reason why the Devon Hesters of this world are dying out because the teams don't want to do it, they don't want the risk. Yeah. So everybody else is taking out that particular team's Devin Hester. They're not giving a special teams player that limelight to go and score a touchdown. And I think, watch, I think that's, watch out for... Uh, that's one of my predictions. Watch out for fair catches 
uh, automatic fair catches on punt returns because that's next. Yep. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons why they're kicking out the end zone now is that, again, with the the rule changes that, um, you know, the the kicking off team can't move until the kickers have kicked the ball. So okay. you're you're not getting you're not getting the same sort of expl- you know where it was that the the offensive uh, players could actually or the kicking off team could actually move prior to the the ball getting kicked off. Um, they were getting downfield a lot quicker. You had you know previously you had the wedge as well. You, wedges aren't allowed this time, so it it just makes it a lot easier for there to be one on one blocking, and then you're you're left with situations where it would be a kick returner versus the kicker um you know and unless unless you've got somebody who's willing to go in and make the tackle um you know that that is going to give up touchdowns if if there is a return um and you know teams don't teams don't want to risk that so it's it's easier to kick it out the back of the end zone um where where possible and uh, you know, give up 25 yards and potentially give up a 40 yarder purely on the purely on the basis that the the rules have changed and it's it's one on one tackling or one on one blocking. Yeah. The other thing I would say about kickoff returns, um, I mean, how many times have you guys been sitting watching any particular game, and how often have you heard um, illegal block in the back kicking team? The referees are yep. desperate to call it, and that see if that goes for a touchdown. And there's a, an illegal block in the back; it's coming all the way back. So yeah. I, I think that's that's another reason why they're clamping down on on kickoff returns because they're they're protecting their they're protecting players an awful lot more these days. And the amount of times I've been watching a game and it's illegal block in the back kicking team. It's, it must be absolutely infuriating for the guy that's just carried the ball 40 yards downfield and one of his teammates has just made a march 10 yards the other way. Yeah. yeah. For, for for me, I think it's a bit of a circus, to be honest, the way they, they've taken the kickoff out of the game. Like, effectively, guy comes up, kicks the ball 65 yards, dead ball. I, I think they should be encouraging a bit of a competition for it and say, right, if you kick the ball dead, you start your the opposing team starts at the 40. Because teams just know, kick it through the end zone. That's all they have to do. You know, like I've, I've how many times have you seen a kicker put it through the uprights? There's no there's no chance of bringing it back out. Um so at least bring, you know, make the, the kick off some part of the game rather than just oh it's kick off I'm going to the toilet because I know there won't be anything happening for two minutes you know it is it's a toilet break or uh, turn the kettle on for, for the late night coffee that we're about to have or whatever like that you know it's, it's not part of the game anymore but the GMs love it because everybody rushes to the concession stands <laughs> this is it as I say a circus yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's one of the things they're trying to eradicate. Um, I understand all for trying to make the game safer for the players, but it's a contact sport and it's a violent sport. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they need to be they need to be very, very careful with what they're doing because um, I've said a few times on the show before that, in my opinion, um, 
quarterbacks are a little bit overprotected nowadays. I know, I know they're, I know they're the main target for the defense, um, but I think it's it's plain to see that the NFL want high scoring games, and the only way you can get a high scoring game is having the starting quarterback on the field. So they're going to protect. I mean, you you'll know yourselves, and I know we're going a bit off tangent, but see the low the low hits on QBs and um, running into the the like the, the quarterback and all that kind of stuff. It's it's getting softer and softer. You guys agree? Yeah, I do. I do, but it's not as bad as a couple of years ago where the the referees were told to focus on that, and it was you were seeing memes about you know that. Um, you didn't put a pillow down for the quarterback to fall on and things like that. So, you know, <laughs> the, the obvious, the the competition committee obviously likes that they'd, they'd gone too far in, or they they briefed the refs to go too far on the, on that side of things, and it's it has levelled off a bit. But um, you know, <clears throat> certainly, I mean, quarterbacks, you know, when they're when they're throwing their, you know, with their arm up like that, they are opening up the rib cage quite easily. And then, um, you know, <clears throat> there there was the the odd incident like in Damakansu that uh, would stand on um, Aaron Rodgers' uh, legs when he was lying on the floor or what have you. So you do have to protect them a little bit, but um, it. it a lot of this is also on the back of the the CBA as well. That um, and obviously on on the back of the 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 CTE uh, discovery as well. That um, you know they've got they've got to try and do something so that the <clears throat> the players who played in the sixties and seventies, a lot of them are actually uh, you know suffering from MND and various other illnesses as well. I mean, you only have to look at the guy. Um, Earl Campbell, you know what what he looks like nowadays, and how he's constantly in a wheelchair. And I think Tony Dorsett for the Cowboys as well. He he is um, his short term memory is absolutely shot. That um, he has to absolutely write everything down, from what I understand. So, um, and you know, he actually can't leave the house without somebody else with him because um, you know he can quite easily you know, go off into a brain fog and, uh, you know, God knows where he'd end up if if he's not if he's not with somebody. Um, so you do have to protect the players a little bit, especially with the what what you what we've learned in the last 15, 20 years or so about player safety. Um, but yes, <laughs> there there is an essence. What you could probably do is again in the CFL, you know, they've got they haven't got that you can fair catch or anything like that. You must advance the ball. If you do, if you don't advance the ball, the the kicking team actually get points. So you you could maybe introduce something like that so that you know there is no fair catch anymore. But again, if you, if you bring something in like that, you know again, um, you're not you're not the the gunners coming down the field maybe interfere with um. Inter- interfere with the player, uh, interfere with the receiver, and um, you know how how do you control that as well? You know, at, at the moment, if there's a fair catch, you've got to give them two yards or something like that to to make the catch. Yeah. 
I think the, the, the other part of today's programme that we, we, we said we were going to look at is, is actually running down the coaching roster and what our thoughts are on that. I mean, Mike McCarthy, he's heading into his second year. I think we'll give him a mulligan on last year. And Graham, I mean, we all know the great Sir Ian Wilson and his love of the Green Bay Packers. And Mike McCarthy's second season with Green Bay, they absolutely lit it up. And so would you would you expect a similar outcome this year with our Dallas Cowboys? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an example from another sport. The the Tampa Bay Lightning just won their, their second Stanley Cup in a row. The, from what I understand, Tampa Bay were patient with their guys and their head coach is now his name escapes me just now, but he's the longest tenured NHL head coach. So you you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. You can't just, in my opinion, you can't you can't rip up the the script after one season because see if you start that nonsense, you're going to be spinning round and round and round. And each coach wanting to bring in his guys, um, and before you know it, you're going to end up like the Jets, who um, go through head coach after head coach after head coach because the New York media simply won't give them any time. See, once the media turn on a coach in, in New York, he's out the door. Um, so for me, I'm still a Mike McCarthy guy. I, I urge patience on this one. Um, there are very few head coaches in the NFL who have Super Bowl rings. Mike McCarthy is one of them. Um, so he, he knows the road to the Super Bowl and he knows he knows how to work with a top caliber quarterback. Um, he knows how to get the best out of players. Um, he he has had a full off season now, uh, a better off season, I might add. Um, yeah. Presumably, they, they will get more time with their players and they'll be able to certainly the vaccinated players, but that's another issue. Um, he he has had a second draft, which I think is hugely important as well. He's, I mean, see when you're bringing in a whole a whole backroom of coaches, yeah. you're gonna get a few wrong. It's as simple as that because you can't you can't just approach other teams and says he's done quite well there. I'll take him. He's done quite well, and I'll, I'll bring him in. You're going to have to pull a couple of guys off the street, and simply by doing that, you're going to miss. Um, yeah. DJ Dog just made just made a comment there. Of course, Quinn's an, up, an upgrade on Mike Nolan. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. If he can if he can bring a, a bit of the Seahawks to that defense, then it's going to be huge. Um, Certainly, with the with having the fourth game in the Hall of Fame game, I think that's going to be big for us as well because we start before everybody else. Um, so, I'm I'm still I'm still a Mike McCarthy guy. I'm going to urge I'm going to urge patience on this one um, because the last thing they want to do is um, rip up the playbook every single summer because it's not good for Dak. Yep. It's definitely no. not good for Dak. That is why. That is why they kept a huge element in Kellen Moore, so, so that Dak had some continua- uh, continuity. So, um, yeah, my message right now is um, let's be patient. Yeah, Lord, yeah, anything to add on top? No, I do. I agree with that. You know, if if you get, you've got to give guys a chance to. You know, you're bringing guys in. You want them to change the culture from a losing culture or a a 50-50 culture to 
to turn it into a winning culture. That's that can't be done overnight. And if you're putting the pressure on them, that's when the that's when you see these trades where they give up two, three number one picks to to move up in the draft, get get somebody who's in the top ten or something like that. And then invariably, if if that doesn't work out, you you know you get fired. The the new coaching staff that comes in, they're already handicapped because they're they're missing a second, they're missing a first round pick from the next year or whatever. And you know they're also looking that you know the 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 players that have been drafted by the previous uh, administration are maybe not the players that they want. Um, so you've got to give them the time. I'm willing to, I think last year as well, the fact that um, COVID, uh, we've talked again, we've talked that, you know, they, they didn't get the install period um, that is normally done through the OTAs. The the training camp as well was quite regimented in that um, every, everybody had to still remain apart from uh, two metres apart from each other. The, the amount of time that they were actually on the field was limited. Um, they were still doing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, all it took is somebody to turn up and have a, a false negative and it, then, you know, you're already closing down one one area of the, um, whether it, one positional room or something like that. You're making that go virtual. Um, you know, that just, that just added to the list of problems last year that... Um, you you really have to give them a, a mulligan on it. I mean, so, yeah. see simply from see simply from an offensive position, which is Mike McCarthy's kind of forty. I I would go out on a limb and say that we had what a top three offense. Mm. I, I yeah. don't think I, I don't think a top three offense is too ridiculous to say. Simply because we had to be we had to outscore teams. Um, yeah. So as soon as the defense makes any kind of adjustment and improvement, you're going to see an awful lot more wins because um, we've retained the vast majority of that offense. We still have a, qu- a couple of questions at guard and and at center, but three wide receivers are still there. Both our tackles are there. Dak is back. Zeke is still there and looking leaner than ever. Um, <laughs> So give give McCarthy a chance with that offense and a better defense because with a better defense you'll see more of Zeke and that yeah. is back to the winning formula we had 2016-2017. So a um, little bit of patience, I will say again. Yeah, I mean you kind of you, you you both kind of made the point about you know the, there's a boom bust cycle in this team and it's rarely above 500 i mean i think the one thing you cannot say about mike mccarthy is he's a 500 guy mike mccarthy was regularly winning double digit games with the green bay packers they were always 10 11 12 13 wins a season teams i think uh, i no i'm pulling that from my own mind i'm not I don't no, have anything right. to back that no, up. No. Yeah, but no, yeah, right. that's, that's, that's the kind of head coach you have. So you have to give him, as you say, the three, four, five, six years to get that culture in place. And then you can build on that. You can supplement that through the draft. But you can't just automatically bring that in to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you mentioned uh, Kellen Moore there. 
Kellen is moving into his third season as the offensive coordinator. Um, I'm still not in love with the idea of Kellen Moore. I know, Graham, you're, you're a big fan. Um, Lauren, I'm not sure about your own opinions, but talk to me about Kellen Moore um, and your opinions on him. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously we've been um, in the top half of the league in terms of offense the last couple of years under Kellen Moore. Um, you know, he, if you if you watch the YouTube video of um, Kellen Moore sitting down with John Gruden when he was coming out of the uh, coming out of the draft, um, and you know you can see that he has the potential there. He's got he's got a good offensive mind. He's he's the son of a coach, so he know he, you know he obviously knew what was required. He's got he's got the pedigree at, at least at the collegiate level where he he was the winningest co- uh, winningest quarterback in Boise State history, and mm. in fact it was in in the entire Division One A at one point. I don't know if he still is there. Um, the the weakness I think that Kellen Moore has, and hopefully, um, I think we laughed at it a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned it. But um, the signing of Ben McAdoo as a um, as a offensive specialist, mm, yes. um, you know, Kellen Moore always seems to have a diff- can move the ball easily between the between the twenties. But when you're either in your twenty, your um, zero to 20 or and you're trying to control the ball to make sure that you don't make a mistake or you're you're in you're going into the red zone to try and score a touchdown and there's there's not a lot of real estate left that's where he has his problems he has difficulty scheming scheming it to to get the guys open now you you saw you saw a little bit last year where we had the the sort of option play where there was a handoff to to Zeke, and then he pitched out to um, C.D. Lamb to score one of the touchdowns last season. So you know, mm-hmm. Kellen Moore is able to, to to scheme things to try and get it open. But um, as far as wide receiver routes, you know, if he, that that's where he has the difficulty. He he hasn't mastered where sort of New England are very good at the what you call rub. Um, where you know a wide receiver runs his route, accidentally runs into a cornerback who's taking somebody who's meant to be cutting underneath him or something like that. Um, you know, as long as you, if you can sell that well enough, then um, that's that's something that um, the the Patriots have always excelled at, um, and that's something that we need to we need to work on. Now it is difficult, especially as. You can say that the coaches can tell you what to do. It's whether you can, whether the players actually execute. Now, it's can Kellen Moore get that across to the players? Try and teach them in the way that we've seen Dan Quinn getting involved in the defensive lineman. Can you? Can Kellen try and do that with the receivers, or can the receivers coach try and do that as well? Where you you discuss it through them so that the players know what to do instinctively when they're on the field. That's that's what we need to work on. Um, it's just yeah. scheming better in the red zone. Yeah, I, I would say on Kellen Moore, I'm not I'm not a huge fan, but I like what is there. Mm. Um, he's still a particularly young coach in terms of 
uh, offensive coordinator. And I think there are better coordinators out there in the league, certainly. Um, yeah. But a quick question for the both of you. How many times did the, did the Cowboys break 30 points during last season? I'm thinking somewhere every, between five and six. Every time we won. They did it eight times. Now you're going, if we broke 30 points eight times, yeah, yeah, it's not the offense that's the problem. When you consider, yeah. when you consider, I mean, there was, I'm just looking at the, the scores just now, there was the disaster we went through um, when Dak went down three points to the Redskins, nine to the Eagles, and 19 to the Steelers. That was the kind of ropey point between October and November, but they rallied in December. They yeah. rallied, they, they scored 30 points, over 30 against the Bengals, the 49ers and the Eagles. So it's almost as if Moore kind of adjusted to his third, fourth string QB and still got points on the board. Uh, fair enough, the season is um, it's tailing away at that point, but you're still fighting for your job. Um, and for for us to break 30 points eight times during a turmoil season on offense, particularly the quarterback position, I think is particularly good. Um, I will agree with what DJ Dog said about the red zone awareness. Um, yeah. There are some infuriating times where you go, just give it to Zeke, just let him pound it. But, I mean, they had me on the runway to go and play offensive line at one point last year, so they were literally pulling guys off the street. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think if, if if you give Kellen Murray's offence to play with, uh, good things happen, because we saw that before Dak went down. Um, yeah. It's, it, I mean, certainly the offensive side of the ball is not the issue on this team. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, plays, you only... Moore plays his part in that. Yeah. Yeah. You you only need a if we had a middle of the the league defense last year, I think mm. we would add a few more wins. We probably would have been in the playoffs without needing help or whatever. Um, yeah. And you know, one, once you're in the playoffs, that's it's you know anything happen. You all it takes yeah. is a play here, play there, and you're you're progressing to the next round or you're going home, you know? So yeah, that's the, the, the point here in terms of say the red known red zone is one of Callum Moore's weaknesses. And that's been evident for the last couple of years. But is that a case of we were missing that big bodied receiver, a Des Bryant, a Jason Witten to take the ball in the end zone? You know, we, do, we don't seem to have that guy on the team anymore. You know, say like that back shoulder fade from Tony to Dez. That doesn't seem to be there with Dak or any of his receivers. Is that what we're missing? I think I think you've maybe got that coming on with um, C.D. Lamb. I mean, if you look mm. at the touchdown that he made in the Minnesota game, which Minnesota, obviously yeah. gets, shown, gets shown a lot of the time, uh, you yeah. know, he is obviously quite good at adjusting to the ball if if um if it's not a perfectly thrown pass. Um it's it was a lot to ask of a rookie last year. You know, this is the second year, as I say, um he's he's coming in, he's he's 
had a year in the off-season programme, uh, weights programme. He looks a lot leaner this year or a lot more muscly, but at the same time, that's a sort of receiver's physique, not... He's not suddenly gone up to a tight end physique or anything like that. Um, it's, it's you know, that that's potentially where he could shine. I certainly don't think Cooper's necessarily capable of it. And uh, Gallup at the moment is one of these guys that has to, sorry, he can certainly air up for the ball. But, um, uh, where, you know, Gallup always seems to make his place when there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of real in, real estate in front of him. Yes, he's yeah. maybe coming down, the, he's coming down the sideline, but, you know, people, there's still a safety away um, looking to take away any, anybody that manages to escape the, 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 the one-on-one coverage. Yeah. On, on that point, I would say you kind of have to decide what you want from your receivers. Um, and I think our receivers aren't too far away from each other. Um, we don't have we don't have a speedster, particularly a starting speedster. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have somebody, in my opinion, that will take the top off. Uh, I don't think there's a four-four receiver that will start. Um, but again, a lot of the teams don't. Um, I mean, if if you're a big if you're a big-bodied receiver. Um, are you going to be quickening out of your breaks? And I think that's what the Cowboys prefer. Um, I think they prefer procession receivers that can get get first and ten as opposed to an end zone um, target. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I I just looked this up, right? Because it, just while you were saying that, Simi Fahoko. Six foot four inch receiver. Is he your potential red zone threat? If he makes the team, I think he will make the team. If, I mean, it's as simple as that. I've, I've yeah. said, said it countless times. Um, mm. How many receivers are you going to keep? Because we've already yeah. got three. Um, yeah. It really, it really depends. He, he, he'll need to play special teams. Yeah, um, because I, I think it's, it's it's the point I always raise. If see after the draft, if one of the teams on the phone to if you're a wide receiver and one of the teams on the phone to you is the Cowboys, I wouldn't answer the call because it's very there's a very very slim chance you're going to make the Cowboys roster. You'd have to play special teams. So yeah, are, are we going to see him? Um, you know, it's the Tony Pollard. There's only one ball. Are you going to see him? Yeah. Um, are you going to march all the way down the field and, and roll out a big-bodied receiver to go and make the end zone? Uh, I know yeah. certainly if I was one of the three starters, I'd be like, well, why am I why am I sitting here not getting my stats? You're rolling out this guy to go and catch the ball in the end zone. Um, yeah. And if, if, if he was that efficient, why is he on the Cowboys? Why is yeah. he not a day-two receiver? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not it's, being mean. I'm just I'm just suggesting that because he's because he's a wide because he's a wide receiver on the Cowboys, is he actually gonna make the team? <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. I mean you know, it's, I think, it's, just, think, it's just the state of the Cowboys wide receiver yeah. course. It's up there. 
I think to be fair, DJ Dog has kind of captured the point I would make is that Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson and Fahoko are fighting for two spots. And for me, and this goes back to the point that Lauren makes almost every podcast we do, Cedric Wilson is looking at 2.2 million hit against the cap this year. And I don't think he has the production for 2.2 billion. And that is why I would I would be saying we can walk away because there's no dead cap there. He was signed at the same time as Antoine Woods on a tender. Um, so I think it will be Noah Brown and Se- um, Semi Fahoko that make the make, make the team. But you've both kind of mentioned the point that if we had a middle of the road defense, and um, I'm just bringing up DJ Dog's point again. Dan Quinn is an upgrade over Mike Nolan. Yep. Discuss. Well, hundred hundred percent. I mean, the 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 problem in Nolan last year, and again, I've said this in previous podcasts. He, you know, particularly again with COVID, that you know they didn't get the install periods during the OTAs and mini camps, um, and here he is, the the. The Marinelli scheme was know what you've got to do and do your job. And, you know, it's, it's a battle of talent more than anything else. Nolan came in and said, first of all, we're not we're not going to make the player fit my scheme. We're supposedly going to make the, the scheme fit the players that we have. We didn't see that. Um then, you know, this multiple front, which, again, we're still supposed to be having a multiple front this year. But what what um, Nolan was trying to ad- advocate was that, you know, you, you maybe line up in a 4-3, but then you look across the line, you see that the, they've gone with a 21 personnel or something like that. Mm-hmm. That then tells you to go to a 3-4. Um, and it's, you know, then... Within two within two steps of the snap, the the cornerbacks are meant to look at the receivers in front of them and say, right, that receiver's running, that receiver's doing this, right. I've got to go to cover three coverage as opposed to go to um, cover four coverage or something like that, or go man coverage, and that just the because you didn't have that install period. As soon as the the COVID rules came in place. Mike Nolan should have said, look, I've got to keep this simple. You know, if if you convert and and you know, to give him his due, supposedly he dumbed it that dumbed down the playbook a little bit um as, yeah. as the season went on, especially after Jane Slater came out with the the unsolicited uh, co- comments from players that um you know, the the scheme wasn't working and the coaches weren't listening to the players' feedback. Um, he he was just asking too much of the players last year, um, and it, it had the it had the effect that you know the players weren't able to play to their abilities because they were having to try and think. If you keep the scheme as simple as possible, or you you get them educated up into your scheme, that's when they can be more instinctive. The the yes, they maybe have to 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 check with something, check a key or something like that. But then they can actually um, play play at game speed. 
it looked like last year with guys like Worley um, giving up all the giving up all the yards, the long TD passes, whatever. That was purely that you know they ju- they just couldn't they couldn't do it. They couldn't think and play at the same time. Yeah, and that was that was Nolan's problem. Yeah, Look, be, looking be, at before sorry, before look, we go any further, we've just um, one of our one of the other members of the team has just dropped us a message. Tom Brady tours MCL during the Super Bowl. He's had surgery and is recovering. I mean, if he played with torn bloody MCL in the Super Bowl and still won. I mean, I mean, are we going to drug test this guy or what? <laughs> it's not natural what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom, Tom Brady. No wonder one of his nicknames is Captain America. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I may get, I may get shot down here, here by the by the viewers, but I'm a, I'm a huge admirer of Tom Brady. Um, I, I think simply. Simply to do it that long and have that many rings. I mean, he's not, he hasn't won all those rings by chance. He must do so much homework. He must have so much fire for the game. Um, I know about the deflated footballs and all that kind of stuff, but just Mm. from to go, I mean, to to still be doing it at that age with a brand new team, he stepped in with a brand new team and took them to the Super Bowl. They'll be building a statue soon enough of t- <laughs> in Tampa. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think this gets said enough across the wider media that the money Tom Brady makes and his contract, I think, is always underlooked. It's always it's always yeah. passed off for for him to take such a low relative wage compared to the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. That means they can go and spend it somewhere else. They can go and spend it on a pass rusher that will get them back on the field. They can spend it. Um, I mean, you look at the money that the Patriots spent on defense. That's because they could. They could spend that money because Tom Brady wasn't wasn't at um, at Kraft's door buying. You know, I, I, I need paid. I need, I, I'm not the highest paid. I need to be highest. I need to. Mm. I, where's my money? I mean, think of the quarterbacks yeah. down down the line that have gone. I don't want to be highest paid. Where's my money? I'm not coming to training camp until I'm the highest paid. Never, I don't think you ever, ever heard that from Tom Brady. Um, yeah. That has got to be admired. Whether you love or hate Tom Brady, you have to admire that in him, that he wasn't, it was all about the rings for Tom Brady at the end of the day. He was never motivated yeah. by money. But let's face it, he's had such a long career. I, I mean, how many lifetimes would you need to spend Tom Brady's money? Honestly, I mean, it's not as if he's poorly paid. Yep. I mean, yeah. I, I, I might, I, I might be in the minority, but I'm a huge admirer of Tom Brady. If if I, if I was to make not... one point on this, and I'll, I'll I'll jump over to you then, Lauren, on it. But I mean, if you look at Tom Brady, right? He's done a deal with the devil in terms of the success he has. But as you as you were saying, Graham, look at the money he's foregone. Look at the situations he's been in. He saw Jimmy Garoppolo, who was his supposed successor, brought in. Knuckle down, fought harder. I, I read the dynasty there over Christmas and, you know, the work ethic of Tom Brady. I think after a defeat, 
They got back to Foxbury. He went straight into the stadium, started studying tape, and was there the following morning when the whole team came in for training. But the point I want to make in terms of look at that Jimmy Garoppolo situation. He was brought in to succeed Tom Brady. Brady knuckled down, won more Super Bowls, and Garoppolo was gone. Look at what's happening in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is throwing his toys out of the pram because they've brought in a guy who's not displacing them right away. The Green Bay Packers are protecting their own investment. But Rodgers is throwing his toys out of the pram. You know, I mean, would you prefer to one Super Bowl ring or seven? Yep. <laughs> but if I throw it over to you now, Lauren, go, go ahead. Well, what, what I was going to say as well, you know, even the the contracts that Brady did sign, the number of times that you know he maybe signed one that was going to pay a hundred million over five years or something like that, but by the next season he's obviously identified that you know there is weakness in various parts of the team and he'd go in and say right, knock five knock five million off this year, five million off next year or whatever, and um, you, you know that all I the that's the whole reason why Tampa Bay are actually bringing back all of their starters on offense and defense this season. Um, wh- whether they actually start the season with with that 20, 22 players or not, um, actually as starters, because hopefully, you know, y- you should have some of these guys actually losing a step and you should have these hungry rookies com- or young players coming up and taking positions. Otherwise, at some point you're, your your level of competition on the team will it will hinder your progress. Um, but the number of times it's why a lot of the time you see a lot of these quarterbacks who sign long term deals and they're they're cut after two two three years because again they haven't fulfilled on the, on the contract um, or you know the the third year salary is just astronomically high. And if they were going to keep that on you, you would have to start signing street free agents to, to fill out your 53. Um, so for, for somebody like Brady, to, you have to admire that. Now, counteractively, you could say that, you know, he's married to Gis- Giselle Bunchen. You know, he's not going to be short of a bob whether he was, whether he was earning 660,000 a season or, to, you know, 20, 25 million. He's, you know, he's he, he's got a secondary income if nothing else. So, um, and hats, and you know, listen, hats off to Giselle because the amount of times they've been living, you know, they've not been too far away from New York. They're living in in Miami now. They live in California as well. And imagine the amount of times she said, "Come on, let's go out for the night." And Tom had replied, "No, sorry, I've got game tape to watch." Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the situation there about Aaron Rodgers as well. I mean Aaron Rodgers, you know he should he should remember back to the start of his career where Brett Favre was effectively the same thing. As soon as as soon as the Packers lucked into getting Aaron Rodgers because he dropped to twenty six in the draft, uh, you know you'd be stupid not to take him. But Brett Favre spat the dummy out then that you know oh they've picked a quarterback this means that they're they're looking to move on from me and no I'm not going to help this guy come in and all that and you know it it, it took a couple of years before it, before Aaron Rodgers took over from Brett Favre and they moved on 
but you know that 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 transition could have gone a lot easier and it there could have been less animosity i think um you know that that was part of the reason why Brett Favre actually signed with Minnesota so that he was still in the division um i think obviously i think he went to the jets first went but then the he jets. went uh, he then yeah. came, you know, when it when he hit the free agent market again, he certainly came back to Minnesota. So, yeah. So be, before this program turns fully into the New England Patriots and Green Bay <laughs> Packers podcast, <laughs> let's get let's get ourselves back on track. Anyway, um, we were talking about Robert. I was about to say Robert Kraft or Robert Quinn, and then Dan Quinn, our new defensive coordinator. So. A lot of people have said that Dan Quinn was the best acquisition we made in this offseason. I want to counter that and say the Atlanta Falcons were only marginally better on defense than us last season. So have we picked a guy on reputation um, from a couple of years ago, which we did with Nolan? Or have we picked a guy who is genuinely going to improve the defense this year? It's a valid question. It's, it's a valid question. Um, to go back to the question before that, it would be difficult not to be better than Mike Long, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you I think you could bring in some quarterback coaches that would do particularly better than Mike Nolan on defense, to be perfectly honest. Um <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, it, it, it simply wasn't good enough. 49 points to the Browns mm-hmm. in October. That's that's yeah. not good enough. He was lucky to keep his job after that. I, I get yeah. that the Browns I get that the Browns are a better team. They have the quarterback and they have some stud wide receivers <coughs> nowadays. But nobody should be giving up 49 points to anybody. I mean, honestly, that's, that's awful. That's... Um, I think he was lucky to keep his job after that, to be perfectly honest. Um, but to Brian's question, um, yeah, it's there is a certain element of reputation about it, but do you want to roll the dice on somebody who's untried? Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is the other side. Yeah. You, know, you, you, could, you could bring in somebody that has a ring or you could go with somebody who's been a a defensive back coach or a D-line coach, mm. something along those lines. Um, nobody springs to mind, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't take yeah. a defensive. Uh, I don't take a defensive view, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, if 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 they're gonna go with experience, Dan Quinn's the one to do yeah. it. Um, simply to bring us to bring us up to a mediocre level. Um, yeah. I don't think it would be too difficult. Um, I, th- I think the Cowboys need to go back to basics on defence, yeah. to be perfectly honest, not overthink things. Um, yeah. they need to, it would be helpful, in my opinion, if they would sort out if they were going to be 4-3 or 3-4. I think that's mm-hmm. still a, a fluid situation. Um, yeah. But yeah, just get back to basics. You know, know yeah. your gap, know your, know your assignment and go and execute um, yeah. because it was far too much floating about to be perfectly honest on defence last year Jalen Smith mm. being the prime candidate <laughs> La- 
let's let's not go back down that rabbit hole. But yeah. um, I, I like, think I think the one thing you've got to say is that guys like how how many times do you see guys that have been the hotshot offensive or defensive coordinator promoted to a head you know get a head coaching job and then you know you you automatically go from looking after twenty potentially twenty two guys on the roster where you then go into the head coach you've got to you're responsible for all fifty three guys plus the ten practice squad guys you've got to you've got to determine training camp schedules you've got to you you've got to be involved in talking to the owner that you know guys you know look at guys like dave wanstead north turner josh mcdaniels uh, josh mcdaniels um wade phillips matt, matt Patricia. all these look at all these guys that are belichick disciples who then go off and um you know, supposedly, you know, they go off to either even at college level, you know, they go off and they're supposed to be charged with turning around franchises there or turning around college uh, with tradition and everything like that. And, you know, they don't manage it because, you know, they've they've gone past their level of capability. And I think, you know, to, to hold Dan Quinn entirely responsible for the way the Atlanta Falcons were last year, is it, it's not something you can suddenly walk away and say, no, you know, leave the offense to do what they need to do. I'm going to work solely by the defense. As an, you know, you you then create even the sort of chemistry with the players. If the if the coach is spending more time with the defense, the offensive players will be good. Ah, the head coach doesn't give a damn about us. Oh, well. We'll start. We won't listen to him when he's trying to rile us, uh, get us uh, g'd up for the game or something like that. Um, you know, I'd, yes, we're going on reputation that he did manage to um, tur- turn Seattle into a defensive force. What I like is what we've seen in preseason with the the OTAs that he is getting down and dirty in the trenches. He's you know. Turn the baseball cap around, and I'll play. I'll play nose tackle for a couple of snaps mm-hmm. while Bohanna is getting his helmet seen to, or whatever. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so that's that's what you need is somebody who's willing to actually get in, and you know, like a, a mechanic. You you don't want a mechanic that plug plugs the car into a system and the system tells you what's wrong. It, you want somebody who's going to go in and get in with the nuts and bolts and. That's where you then, you know, maybe maybe the system's telling you that this is wrong, but as you're going in to have a look at it, so you notice something else is wrong that uh, potentially has problems further down the road, and that's that's the sort of guy you need, and that's somebody that Dan Quinn is. So I'm 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 willing to say, yeah, I think he's going to be an improvement this year on no, well, he's going to be an improvement on Marinelli's defenses as well. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly in terms of age on the on the D, um, I wouldn't want to put an untried coordinator in there. Uh, I mean, I'm, see, in some situations during this season, you could end up with four rookies on the on the defense at any one point, um, particularly in the backfield. Um, you could have a, a rookie or two on, on the D line as well. So, um, somebody who knows their assignments. Um, but that's that's a great point actually that um, that 
DJ Jogs just brought up there because Thomas Dimitrov was in Atlanta for a long time um, and never really scratched the Super Bowl. Um, so they've probably they've just decided to clean house and start again. Um, yeah. I mean, he made some questionable <laughs> questionable signings, questionable decisions. So yeah. Um, it, Quinn had to deal with that as well. Uh, yeah. But certainly in terms of bringing in Quinn over somebody untried, it's a very, very young defence he's got to work with. So somebody in the coordinator seat needs to know what they're doing. And to Lauren's point as well, when you're a head coach, you need to, you need to rely on giving one side of the ball to somebody else. Mm. Quinn doesn't have to do that anymore. He can solely concentrate on D. Um, yeah. So, um, less responsibility, more productivity. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think I I think you've both made the point well in terms of what Dan Quinn will bring in, and I just wanted to ask that question just to try and tease out tease out the point of you on it. Um, I mean, I think it was pretty set we were going to go with someone with experience considering Marvin Lewis was the other candidate that we interviewed for the job. So they knew what they were doing. As I say, I think Marvin Lewis was the Rooney Rule candidate that they had to interview yep. a minority coach for the role. I think Dan Quinn was always their guy in terms of who they wanted to bring in. But if we bring it all the way back round and we started with special teams and let's talk about our special teams coordinator, John Fassel. Um, I mean, if anyone has benefited from the new regime of Mike McCarthy, it seems to be John Fassel. He, as, as we said earlier, he's got his long snapper, he's got his kicker. How long before he gets his punter that he's worked with? You know, and any of the guys he wants in the late rounds in, to, to, to build his special teams around, he seems to get them. So... And um, you could you could argue that last year, you know, a few of the decisions that were made on special teams, a few of the gambles that we mm-hmm. we took, um, were probably him having the ear of Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah. So you know, is is it such a good thing? But you know, to to have the the ingenuity to come up with a watermelon kick on an offside uh, on an onside kick that. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> how many people thought that we were going to recover that? When at the moment, I think onside kick, the chances is um, in the NFL is about eight percent for an onside kick, and you know that that to come up with that to, you know, and I think we we did something else later on where we needed an onside kick later on, and we came up we came close to recovering it as well later on yeah. in the season as well. There was some other. Uh, thing that they did that you know just yeah. caused that that second and the players to to think about what was happening and do do a jump on the ball or do a not um, yeah. to, to consistently you know you, you, yes you you can only control what you can control but to come up with ideas that potentially potentially put you in uh, game winning situations or you know get your players into that position that you've got to rely on the players to execute but to come up with ideas that can put the players in that situation, great. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Um, the one that will always stick in my mind was the fourth and ten 
Um, no, the, the fake punt. Um, I I don't think there was any point in that play where it looked like it was going to yeah. come off. Um, I would love to know who. I mean, McCarthy said all the right things from what I remember, but I would love to know who who pushed for it and was it signed off. You know, was it like did McCarthy okay it? Did McCarthy ask for it? Um, has Fasso been working on it and they've kept it quiet and thought, Coach, I could get us back in this game here? Or did McCarthy approach him and say, we need a spark, we need we need you to come up with something here? Um, I would love to know the ins and outs of it. Um, I would, I, I, I get he's a, he's a good, he's a good special teams coordinator, but less of the crazy, please, for this coming yeah. season. Um, because that was infuriating. There was a couple of, yeah. like Lauren says, there was a couple of situations where um, you're thinking, right, things are not going well. Let's reduce the stupidity in what we call. Let's at least try the basics as opposed to going. Uh, I'll never forget that play. <laughs> I just thought. <laughs> I mean, you look. You look at the whole replay. The defender never bought it for one second. Yeah. I think he stood there. He stood there and let his guy go because he thought something's not. Something's up here. Something's not right. Yeah. He spotted it from the snap, and he's going. Nah, I've. I'm onto something here, and it never yeah. got off the ground. So, um, if McCarthy asked for it, boo on him. If Fassel asked for it, boo on him as well because. <laughs> That was that was it was in my opinion it was yeah. silly. We're, again, we were looking for a spark, but do the basics first. Like you, yeah. need, you need to find a, a, a platform to build on. You can't go and do things like that in my opinion, because that that yeah. killed the game. See, once that happened, that, that was a loss. Like the, they ran the ball in, I believe, the next play, and then kicked off. Were intercepted, returned for a pick six. You know, I think like the turnaround from that was was twenty one points, I believe, in total. And you know, we weren't winning that game against the football team, so I I don't understand why it was done. But if if you try and tell Fassel or restrict what Fassel does, does that in a way hamstring you? Because teams are aware that John John Fassel will try something during a game. So if if you don't have that unpredictability within you, does that then limit you as a team? I think we we tried it so much though. Yeah. Like there was there was almost as if we were looking for a spark from somewhere. And yeah. it was almost as if you could predict Right, the Cowboys are struggling here. They're going to look for a spark from somewhere. So everybody be switched on for the yeah. unusual on special yeah. teams. I don't think there was... I, I got to a certain point, and don't ask me to pinpoint it, but it got to a certain point in the season where we became a liability on special teams. Yeah. It was almost as if um, we were walking into a trap because yeah. teams knew. They knew we needed a spark from somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think 
I mean, there was there was that one play. I mean, I know I'm being a bit down on it, but there was that one play where, again, I can't remember who it was, but it, it was a punt return or a kickoff return. We received it and threw the ball to the other side of the field, and he almost yeah. got the touchdown. Yeah. Now that worked. Yeah. That was that was great, but you'd rather not have to do that. Yeah. Like if you see if your offense is firing, just do the basics. Let the yeah. offense carry the game. Don't do anything silly. So hopefully with a better offense, we'll see less of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think you made the point well there, or Graham, in terms of the spark had to come from somewhere. It wasn't coming from offense. It definitely wasn't coming from defense. So you'd hope that this season will be a lot more balanced in terms of how the team performs and that there will be sparks from all three phases of the game and um, bringing up the points here yeah i think like dj dog is saying you know that there is a little bit of an x factor there in it but it, i think we have kind of covered off a lot of what is in there gentlemen we're up on nearly an hour and 40 minutes who would have thought we would get this long out of special teams and our coaches so before we go, anything else you would like to say in terms of special teams or our coaching setup? No, the less you hear from, I would say that my, my words of wisdom is the less you hear from special teams, the better season you're having. Very yep. true point. If our, if our long snapper is snapping the ball correctly and our punter and kicker are kicking correctly, I'm happy. Yeah. But as we say, yeah. Team Fifty Burger will ride this season. <laughs> before I mean, before we go on, Graham, it's a, it's a shame for special teams because do your job, do your job, do your job. You didn't do your job, ah! And everybody yeah. jumps on you in the press. You know that they're they're expected, despite despite being the lowest guys on the on the payroll, they're expected. And as soon as they don't do their jobs properly, they're all over the the front pages of the Dallas press yeah and it's a shame <laughs> it's very true before we get out of here obviously we want to pay the bills so i'm going to throw it over to one of you two gentlemen so if anybody's looking to to attend a game this year and if you're in the lucky position to be able to do that i know paul's certainly champing at the bit to try and get to a couple of games make sure you visit cowboysexperience.com um Treated like royalty, like we've said so many times before. I know that the few, few of the guys on the show have been, they've enjoyed every second of it. Um, they'll look after you throughout the throughout the day, throughout the weekend. Um, and make sure you use that discount code of UK Cowboys because good things happen. I'm sure Lauren will tell you why. Yeah, you, you're not a clown and you'll get free stuff. And that's the main thing. <laughs> Um, we have we have been talking to Barry and the team at Cowboys Experience. They are coming back bigger, better, louder, and more enjoyable than they have been in previous seasons. So make sure, as I say, if you're going next season, that you get in touch with Barry, book your book your travel package with him, and you will be looked after. Um, as we say. We're on all of the social media platforms. Or this is this podcast is available. It's on iTunes, Spotify, 
Discord. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. All of social media platforms. Come follow us. Interact with us. Join us and give us your opinions. You know, as we say all along, we're only seven guys here who are giving our opinion. If you are the MVPs of this program, as we say, with DJ Dog interacting with us through the whole program, yeah, Andy always interacting with us. Steve Mountford, we've you know, it's if 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 the people aren't interacting with us, it doesn't work. So yeah. make sure and interact with us. Just want to thank everybody at UK Cowboys. Just want to thank everybody for joining us during the during the positional series. We've we've literally discussed every player on the roster. We've discussed every position on the roster. We've drilled right down through the team. Um, and thank you to everybody for joining us because there is no off season in the NFL. We certainly don't treat it as an off season. Um, our twenty four hour show during the draft will will <laughs> will suggest that and. Just think, we're only we're only weeks away from the big kickoff. Can't believe yeah, it's yeah. coming around again so fast. And and of course, big shout out to Austin, uh, who who is also a regular contributor to the show. So make sure and as we say, interact with us. Um, and as well as ourselves, don't forget to interact with our with our fellow contributors. You can see them there at the bottom of the screen. The Dallas Cowboys media team themselves, the guys over at 105.3 The Fan, the guys blogging at the boys in SBG, SB Nation, uh, Brandon, Marcus, Bluff City Cowboy. I, I can't think of, think of the rest of them, but all of those guys are there. We're in regular contact with them. They keep us going as well. But gentlemen, as I say, we're, we're nearly approaching an hour and 45 minutes, so I think it's time I let you go. So it's a good night for me. It's a good night for me. Have a good week, guys. And it's a good night from them. <laughs> <laughs> good night, folks. See you next time. <laughs>